Good morning and welcome to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. Today, folks, we'll be looking at Psalm 106. Pastor Phil will be with us, taking another dive into Joseph's life. And Joe is dropping by with a few remarks, our little short thoughts for us to ponder upon. Psalm 106 begins with the words, Praise the Lord! Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Well, when we read the words of the psalm or these opening words of the psalm, and we consider the things that are going on in our global events around the world, and even here at home, you may ask the question, how do we know that God is good? How do we know that God is here for us? How can we be sure of God working and moving and ministering in our lives? We'll delve into all of that in a little while. But first, let us have a hymn, Yes, God is Good, followed then by Charlie's reading, Psalm 100. And six to us. We're reading from Psalms 106. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Blessed are those who act justly, who always do what is right. Remember me, Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones, that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in giving praise. We have sinned even as our ancestors did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. When our ancestors were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses, and they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake, to make his mighty power known. He rebuked the Red Sea, and it dried up. He led them through the depths as though a desert. He saved them from the hand of the foe, from the hand of the enemy he redeemed them. The waters covered their adversaries, not one of them survived. Then they believed his promises and sang his praise. But they soon forgot what he had done and did not wait for his plan to unfold. In the desert they gave in to their craving, in the wilderness they put God to the test. So he gave them what they asked for, but sent a wasting disease among them. In the camp they grew envious of Moses, and of Aaron, who was consecrated to the Lord. The earth opened up and swallowed Dathan, it buried the company of Abiram. Fire blazed among their followers, a flame consumed the wicked. At Horeb they made a calf and worshipped an idol cast from metal. They exchanged their glorious God for an image of a bull which eats grass. They forgot the God who saved them, who had done great things in Egypt, miracles in the land of Ham, and awesome deeds by the Red Sea. So he said he would destroy them, had not Moses, his chosen one, stood in the breach before him to keep his wrath from destroying them. Then they despised the pleasant land. They did not believe his promise. They grumbled in their tents and did not obey the Lord. So he swore to them with uplifted hands, 
that he would make them fall in the wilderness, make their descendants fall among the nations, and scatter them throughout the lands. They yoked themselves to the wall of pure and ate sacrifices offered to lifeless gods. They aroused the Lord's anger by their wicked deeds, and a plague broke out among them. But Phineas stood up and intervened, and the plague was checked. This was credited to him as righteousness for endless generations to come. By the waters of Meribah they angered the Lord, and trouble came to Moses because of them. For they rebelled against the Spirit of God, and rash words came from Moses' lips. They did not destroy the peoples as the Lord had commanded them, but they mingled with the nations and adopted their customs. They worshipped their idols, which became a snare to them. They sacrificed their sons and their daughters to false gods. They shed innocent blood, the blood of their sons and daughters, whom they sacrificed to the idols of Canaan, and the land was desecrated by their blood. They defiled themselves by what they did, by their deeds they prostituted themselves. Therefore the Lord was angry with his people and abhorred his inheritance. He gave them into the hands of the nations and their foes ruled over them. Their enemies oppressed them and subjected them to their power. Many times he delivered them, but they were bent on rebellion and they wasted away in their sin. Yet he took note of their distress when he heard their cry. For their sake he remembered his covenant and out of his great love he relented. He caused all who held them captive to show them mercy. Save us, Lord our God, and Gather us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting. Let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. Folks, we've been listening to the reading of Psalm 106, a psalm that exhorts the people of God to go and praise the Lord for who he is and for his goodness to us. And yet that psalm is yet another one of those psalms that goes and looks into the historical journey of the people of Israel. And it goes and shows the number of times that they went and made a mess of things. And yet God in his goodness still came to their aid the whole way through. At our Harvest Thanksgiving service in Tullamore, Sunday gone, Reverend Yvonne Hutchinson was challenging us about being a thankful people. And are we people who give thanks? And she reminded us of the scripture that goes and says that we are to give thanks in all circumstances. Pointing out that we are to give thanks in all circumstances, not for all circumstances. And when we look at the things that are going on in our world right now, well... Truth is, you couldn't be going and giving thanks for some of the circumstances that are taking place in our world as we see human beings treating other human beings very badly and not living up to the Lord's command for us to love him with all our heart, mind, soul and strength and to love our neighbour as ourselves. But are we a thankful people? Are we grateful for God's goodness to us? That is a question, isn't it? Do we genuinely believe God is good to us? Later on, Pastor Phil will be sharing with us of Joseph's journey and things for poor old Joseph just couldn't be getting any worse, could they? 
gone from being the favoured son to being thrown into a well, to being sold into slavery, to be working in a house, to be accused of making sexual advances which he hadn't done, to end up being thrown in prison. wonder what he had to thank God for in his circumstances. Joe is back with us sharing a few thoughts with us and the first of these thoughts is where he's asking us the question of do we find enjoyment in the Lord? Hello. Psalm 37 verse 3 reads, Dwell in the land and enjoy safe pasture. 1 Timothy 6 verse 17 reads, The Lord has freely given us all things to enjoy. Have you forgotten how to enjoy your life? Have you forgotten that the Lord has already richly blessed you? Have you become so consumed by the cares of your life that instead of living, you merely exist? Has the spring gone out of your step? Have you just ceased to be thankful? God bless you today. Hello. Numbers 12 verse 3 records that Moses was more humble than anyone else on the face of the earth. You may be interested to know that Moses is the one who wrote the book of Numbers. One of the attributes of a true believer is humility, but it's difficult to know when you've arrived because if you declare that you're humble, well, that's just going to be seen as pride, isn't it? It's a conundrum. Humility involves knowing how the Lord sees you. If you're in agreement with his word, then you are right. That's humility. If you have obeyed God's call in your life, you've walked in humility. But if you've stayed in the pew all these years and failed to step up to the plate, you've really been proud. If you've made a decision to think using logic and reason rather than being hot-headed, the one who couldn't be told anything, then you are humble. Proud people can't be told anything and they tend to be quarrelsome. Proverbs 13.10 reads, Only by pride cometh contention, but with the well-advised is wisdom. I enjoy the company of people who know more than I do because I feel there's always something to be learned. Many in Christendom, some preachers included, tend to feel threatened by someone who has greater insight. That's pride. I certainly haven't arrived, but after 23 years or more with the Lord, I have learned a few things. If I didn't have that to say about myself, then it would be fair to ask, what man have you been doing all of this time? Let's close with Proverbs 29 verse 23. A man's pride shall bring him low, but honour shall uphold the humble in spirit. God bless you. Midlands 183 Welcome back to Heartlands here on Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. So we have been listening to Psalm 106 and thinking about the fact about giving thanks to the Lord and praising him. Just the initial opening verse. And then the thought that was shared with us by Reverend Yvonne in regard to praising God in all circumstances as against praising God for all circumstances and can we find reasons to thank God in the circumstance that we are actually in then with Joe we were looking at is God the source of our encouragement do we find joy in the Lord are we built up in him are we enthused by God because if we're not enthused by the Lord well then everything else will just go and come in and take us away from that Then he was speaking about humility and how it is that if we are truly where the Lord wants us to be, 
then we will know that we are living a humble life. Then we'll know that we are not proud. Then we'll know that we have a serving heart. And so we can actually know that we are humble in the light of who God is. And that brings us now to Joseph and his story and where it is that he is going. And as I've said in recapping, Joseph was the favourite son and not without fault. To be fair to Joseph, he was the product of Jacob and Rachel's marriage. She had great difficulty having a son. He was something that was special. And Jacob, in the first place, only ever wanted to marry Rachel. Rachel was his sweetheart. He was, it was he that she fell madly in love with. But, of course, his uncle went and tricked him into marrying Rachel's older sister. And Rachel's older sister had all the children. So Joseph was a really special son. And so Jacob treated him better than he treated all the others. But the story doesn't end there. The brothers then of the other marriage went and wanted rid of Joseph, as you know, threw him into a well. Then they went and sold him. And then he was sold into slavery. Then he was working in Potiphar's house. And then when things were just beginning to look good and he was getting places in Potiphar's house and Potiphar trusted him, then Potiphar's wife went and pulled off a scheme and tried to accuse him of going and committing adultery against Potiphar. As a result, Potiphar was mad and poor Joseph finds himself thrown in prison. Look at the list of the way those circumstances are going from being the favourite son, the son of that marriage of love, Jacob's treasure, all the way down to the prison cell. I wonder what it was that he could thank God for. Let's listen to what Pastor Phil has to say about this. Today on Treasuring Jesus, we're returning to the gripping story of Joseph as we find it in the first book of the Bible, the book of Genesis. Just to recap, Joseph, favourite of his father Jacob, was sold by his brothers, became a slave in the house of Potiphar, was then thrown into prison when Mrs. Potiphar, who had tried to seduce him, lied about him when her illicit advances were rejected. Not for the first time, Joseph must have been asking himself, what on earth's happening to me? So let's pay him a visit in the prison. Genesis chapter 39 and from verse 20. Then Joseph's master took him and put him into the prison, a place where the king's prisoners were confined. And he was there in the prison. But the Lord was with Joseph and showed him mercy, and he gave him favour in the sight of the keeper of the prison. And the keeper of the prison committed to Joseph's hand all the prisoners who were in the prison. Whatever they did there, it was his doing. The keeper of the prison did not look into anything that was under Joseph's authority, because the Lord was with him, and whatever he did, the Lord made it prosper. It came to pass after these things that the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt offended their lord, the king of Egypt. And Pharaoh was angry with his two officers, the chief butler and the chief baker. So he put them in custody in the house of the captain of the guard, in the prison, the place where Joseph was confined. 
And the captain of the guard charged Joseph with them, and he served them. So they were in custody for a while. Then the butler and the baker of the king of Egypt, who were confined in the prison, had a dream, both of them, each man's dream in one night, and each man's dream with its own interpretation. And Joseph came into them in the morning and looked at them and saw that they were sad. So he asked Pharaoh's officers who were with him in the custody of the Lord's house, saying, Why do you look so sad today? They said to him, We each have had a dream, and there's no interpreter of it. So Joseph said to them, Do not interpretations belong to God? Tell them to me, please. The prison governor discovered there was something different about this young man from the land northeast of Egypt. His administrative skills were undeniable, but his spiritual character was clear evidence of the blessing of God on his life. So when two of Joseph's staff were out of favour and arrived in prison, then had disturbing dreams, Joseph was right there to help. I don't believe he did it in the spirit of, this is your lucky day, guys. You've got me to interpret your dreams for you. No, no, no. God was the one who knew the interpretation and meaning of dreams. And so through Joseph, the vine and the grapes, the baskets and the bread received an accurate interpretation, which turned out to be good news for the butler and not so good for the baker. You can read the story in Genesis chapter 40. But here's the point that we shouldn't miss, and here's the point I want to make today. Because as several times in the story we read that the Lord was with Joseph. and all the ups and downs of his life, God was right there. And prison wouldn't be the end of his story, would it? Later on, James wrote these words, The Lord is at hand. Now maybe James was referring to the second coming, but perhaps he might have been thinking also about the fact that the Lord is he's right there. He's at your elbow, as someone has put it, to join, uh, to guide and to help and to support through all the twists and turns of life. The Lord can be with you. So I urge you today to pray without ceasing. Talk to him constantly and you'll find a real blessing to know that he is with you. Bow with me in prayer today. Father, we thank you that when we know Jesus as our Savior, we experience your presence by the Holy Spirit in our lives. Please go with us. Please strengthen us through all the changing scenes of life just as you did for Joseph. We bring our prayer today in the worthy name of Jesus. Amen. Thanks for joining me again today. And until next time, keep treasuring Jesus. God bless. Welcome back to Heartlands here in Midlands 103 with me, the Reverend Nigel Gill. So folks, we have been doing a journey. And the journey is that we started off with Psalm 106 with the reading of it and the fact that we're focusing in on giving thanks to the Lord. Praise the Lord. Give thanks to the Lord for he is good. His love endures forever. Who can proclaim the mighty acts of the Lord or fully declare his praise? Then we were looking at being someone who's 
finding enjoyment in the Lord, to knowing who we are in the Lord. And then we're looking at Joseph and the trials that he was going through and how through those trials he had gone from being a favoured son to now being a lonely individual in a prison cell in Egypt. But we're reminded of one thing, that God was with him. Now all of this we have gone and viewed through the lens that we are to be people who go and give thanks in all circumstances. And are we those sort of people that we can praise God in all circumstances? Well, that comes down to one final thing that this psalm starts to expound. And as I said to you, this psalm is a psalm which is again a synopsis of the history of the people of Israel, especially with that wilderness experience, etc., and others after the deliverance from Egypt. Now, what is it that the psalmist is trying to remind us of? He's reminding us of the fact that we should praise God for who he is. But the problem, the problem was that the people of Israel, no sooner had God done great and wondrous things, like the the ten plagues, like the deliverance, like the opening of the Red Sea, the provision of the manna, the quail, he met their needs, water from the rock, all these powerful things that God went and did for the people of Israel. And yes, they turned around and they followed other gods, even where they went and fashioned the golden calf out of the gold earrings that they had. And they started to bow down and worship this golden effigy. Now that got me thinking, how often is it that when we go and we recognize and we see God do great things in our lives and God goes and answers our prayers and we go, yes, Lord, you have done great things. And yes, I am a person who can go and give thanks and praise to you because of your goodness to me. And then we actually go and place our faith in something other than. You go and say, that's not true, Nigel. There's no way you could do that. But this is the whole point. This is what the psalmist is bringing out. Listen. Blessed are they who maintain justice, who constantly do what is right. Remember me, O Lord, when you show favor to your people. Come to my aid when you save them, that I may enjoy the prosperity of your chosen ones that I may share in the joy of your nation and join your inheritance in grieving praise. But then, what does he go and say next? He goes and he says, We have sinned, even as our fathers did. We have done wrong and acted wickedly. Now, what is it that he goes and points out? Listen, listen to what he goes and he says. He now starts to speak about the Father. So he's saying that, that we're no different than our forefathers. We've also sinned. We've also done what is wrong in God's eyes. We've also done what is wicked. When our fathers were in Egypt, they gave no thought to your miracles. They did not remember your many kindnesses. And they rebelled by the sea, the Red Sea. Yet he saved them for his name's sake. To make his mighty power known. See that? Goes and says that they didn't recognize what God went and did for them. And do you know, I genuinely believe 
that many of us, that is where we are. My generation, en masse, almost left church. And now we end up that we wonder, we ask ourselves questions to why it is that our nation is the way it is. Why is it that people are the way they are? Why is it that suddenly that all sense of decorum, all sense of respect, all sense of everything is lost and our society has become lawless? Here's why. Because we forgot God the day we left church. Church is a gathering of people, not a building, not an institution, not a religious system. It is a gathering of people coming together and worshipping God. But when we have come away from that and no longer go and study his word, no longer go and try to live our life according to his principles, no longer go and love him with our heart, mind, soul and strength, no longer do we go and love our neighbour as ourselves. And the truth is, we do not love our neighbour as we do ourselves anymore. You may claim you do, but the reality is that most of us do not. We think about ourselves first. And then we wonder why society has become what it is. We wonder how come there seems to be no respect in society anymore. We wonder how come that there's a sense of hopelessness in society now. We wonder how come people feel that they have no sense and purpose in life anymore. We wonder how come there is no value placed on life anymore. We wonder how come there is just this sense of people giving up with no ambition, no sense of achievement, no drive anymore. And I will go and say that the answer is simply this. Because we have forgotten God. Jesus Christ goes and says, I am the life. And I come to give life and give it more abundantly. Jesus goes and says that he is our peace. Paul goes and writes to us in the book of Ephesians and he goes and he says that we are God's workmanship created in Christ Jesus to do good works which he has prepared in advance for us to do. And so you wonder why society is the way it is? That's why. How does the psalmist finish the psalm? This is what his prayer is. And when we look at the news, when we look at the state of the world, when we look at everything that's going on in our own society, when we look at the way that hardships that our people are facing, when we look at the rise of crime, when we look at the drug issues in our world, this is what the psalmist, and he goes and says, Save us, O Lord our God, and gather us from the nations, that we may give thanks to your holy name and glory in your praise. Praise be to the Lord, the God of Israel, from everlasting to everlasting, and let all the people say, Amen. Praise the Lord. Is the prayer of your heart today, save us, O Lord our God. That is our prayer. Life will become rich and beautiful. And that is a promise. And with that, folks, may the Lord bless you and keep you. 
and make his face shine upon you, show you grace and turn his face towards you and give you peace so that you can rejoice in him no matter what circumstances you find yourself in.